building a platform to share challenges, thoughts from leaders, and network together, the LabOps Leadership Podcast is elevating LabOps professionals as well as the industry as a whole. With the intent of unlocking the power of LabOps, we deliver unique insights to execute the mission at hand, to standardize LabOps and empower LabOps leaders. I'm Carrie Anderson. And I'm Samantha Black. Welcome to the LabOps Leadership Podcast. Great, Bazad, thanks for joining us today. We're so excited to have you here today. Good morning, Samantha, and thank you very much for having me on your platform. Great. Well, I'm excited for this conversation, and I know it's going to be really interesting, and you have a great wealth of experience. So let's jump right in. And can you just start off by telling us a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today? With pleasure. My background is very simple. The best way to describe it is thinking about a triangle with three equal sides. On one side, you have innovative, disruptive technologies. On the second side, you have market and the needs. And on the last side, you have finance. My expertise, which happened to be also my passion, is operating inside of this triangle and consists on the creating, implementing, and operating impactful technology-based growth strategies to open new segment of the market for companies. The fourth dimension that I have added to this triangle during my career, whenever it was possible and applicable, was being patient-centric, meaning doing your daily work with having patient in mind as a final user. And this patient can be yourself, your children, or one of your family members. I've operated in this four-dimensional space for more than 20 years in a various position as executive, CEO, chairman of the board member, investors, but also as entrepreneur and the founder. I have worked both for a large organization like Hydro-Quebec, Lonza, Catalan, as well as a smaller one, including startups like Exosomics. SM electron technologies in various life science fields, ranging from early cancer detection to biopharma, with high focus on the cell and gene therapy and manufacturing of new modalities. I joined Ginkgo as the SVP of the biopharma manufacturing and life science tools last August, leading Ginkgo commercial effort in the growing areas of bioreagents, as cell and gene therapy, and new biopharmaceutical. On the educational side, I have studied in France, where I completed my chemical engineering schools and master degrees, and then completed my PhD in electrochemistry in Canada, along with the MBA to well cover different sides of the triangle that we just talked about. So that uh, is a simplified version of me in a nutshell. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to have to steal that model for describing my life. I love that. So t- can we just take a step back and talk about the patient-centric approach? So in like the clinical sciences and more of the downstream medicine, we hear this term a lot, but I think it's kind of unique in the biotools space for somebody to have that as a main focus of theirs. Can you talk a little bit more about how specifically you're patient-centric in designing tools, biological tools, when maybe you're further away from the patient than, say, somebody in medicine or somebody in clinical science? No, this is a very good question, actually. So so, so the importance of patient-centric is bringing both a degree of care and precision in what you are doing every day because a patient is involved at the end. 
but also unbelievable motivation and satisfaction on a daily basis, especially when you see the result of your work. Maybe the best example I can give you here, I remember that I felt very strong, actually, this satisfaction and this connection when first the four patients were treated successfully at the Shiva Medical Center with a CD19 CAR T-cell therapy manufactured using the loans of fully automated cocoon manufacturing platform that I've initiated and built your strategy passionately when I was at Lonza. So even it was a tool actually, so you are not necessarily doing the clinical studies, but you are getting basically what you are developing at one point in contact with the patient. And that's basically the implication of that is. So you have always have in mind basically what you're doing at one point when it touched the patient, what would be the impact of that? And that's, as I said, bring you another dimension to what you're doing, which is very valuable. Yeah, I think that's incredible. And I think with the technologies that exist today, we're seeing that cycle shorten and you can actually in some party's lifetime or several times throughout somebody's career, we can have these moments of connection to the patient. And I think that is truly incredible. And like you said, it's a huge motivation. So I just love that perspective. And I think it's something that's also really important to keep in mind. So that's awesome. Let's focus in on what you're doing today, though. So Can you talk a little bit about what Ginkgo's doing and what problem they're trying to solve in the pharmaceutical industry and maybe some of like the big approaches that they're taking to solve those problems? Yeah, with pleasure. So Ginkgo is a fascinating company and I've seen two of most critical industry problems in drug discovery and manufacturing. But let's talk about the, this issue and how we address them at the Ginkgo. First, we see the industry trend is changing, Samata, in the regards of new therapeutic modalities. If we travel back in time, we notice the addition of new therapeutic modalities in pharma is accelerating tremendously. We were adding an average about three new modalities every 20 years. But we are now about to add the triple of this amount in the next five years. So let's think about that. If you go back 50 years ago, we had the small molecules, a vaccine and natural medicines. 30 years later, we added the peptides, the monoclonal antibodies and other recombinant protein. In the last 20 years, we added the CAR-T, viral vector gene therapy and mRNA. And now suddenly the next five years, we will add microbiome, allogenic cell therapy, multi-specific iPSC, drug conjugate, in vivo expression, gene editing, and the exosome as the latest newcomer. So why in each of these varies in terms of the maturity and the growth potential, in all the cases, they are built on advanced, complex biological system. And in most of the cases, artisanal manufacturing processes are involved far from industrialization and more closer to art. So therefore, what we see basically in the industry, in this new cycle of the modernity trend with the faster growth, more biologically complex, a shortened period of development time before getting to the market. And therefore, limited time to understand and optimize the biologic component of the drug. 
causing the high cost of the manufacturing and difficulty to manufacture at the scale. And maybe I can describe more, you know, what I mean by this biology optimization is that in the massive design space, you have a number of the combination design that can give you either a better therapeutic efficacy and therefore you need less to manufacture as you need lower dose, or it gives you the same efficacy, but easier manufacturability or sometimes both actually. But we know that the biology and biological optimization is an extremely complex process requiring designing, building, testing, analyzing, and learning sometimes millions of the robust and the complex experiment in a relatively short period of time. So as a result, the pharma industry, due to the absence of a proper platform, has largely neglected this opportunity and in focusing on the speed to markets by speeding biologically on optimized therapies, but yet efficient compared to a standard of cares to the market. So these therapies then are being put in the hands of the CDMOs who are asked to produce greater quantities and lower costs, but to be limited the traditional tool at their goals. And that is where basically we end up with the cost of manufacturing for these therapies in cell and gene therapy, ranging from a few hundred thousand of dollars to million of dollars per dose. I remember actually Peter Marks, the director of the FDA's Center for Biologics Evaluation and the Research, recently characterized a very rightly reimbursement as the 800 pounds of gorilla in the room to show the importance of cost management for the future of the cell and gene therapy. Now, let's come back actually and see basically how Ginkgo, we address basically this problem that I have just described. So what we have done, we have invested and built hundreds of thousands of square feet of integrated robotic labs space at Seaport in Boston, where we can run for our partners workflows uh, consisting of highly automated, high throughput, highly parallelized biological experiment supported by the most advanced and innovative technologies. So we can run millions of intelligent, iterative design, build, test, learn cycles, enabling the rapid prototyping, optimization, and development of advanced therapies in real manufacturing settings. This infrastructure and installation combined with informatic and uh, machine learning fed with the real experimental data over the last decades, allowing to have a better understanding of the biological design space and very fast to get to an optimized therapy to deliver optimal desired function. So that's the first problem we try to solve. I can maybe go to the next problem actually in the industry, but maybe I pause here to see if there is any question on the first one. Yeah, no, I think that's a very relevant problem that you are trying to solve in a very difficult one. I think the economics of these new therapies is not solved yet. So I think that as many people working on this problem as possible is worthwhile. And I think I could put on my scientist hat or I could put on my patient hat. And I think for our listeners, you talk about personalized therapies or these advanced therapies that are targeted to 
one patient or a limited number of patients. So the first thing that comes to my mind is safety. So you're working on hundreds of different things instead of aspirin. And so how in this process, when you're developing so many different tools, are you keeping maybe safety in mind when you're developing these tools? Because you're verifying, you're confident in them, but you know, from the patient side, how can somebody be sure about that these tools that are being developed at such a rapid pace are really safe? No, the safety, I think, is really is the main concern. And of course, it's through the clinical trials. And that's remained the number one, basically, focus for the pharma. And today, I think it, this is not necessarily at all neglected. So everyone developing a drug actually is really looking at the safety aspect and the quality aspect. But I think at the same time, what has been neglected in some extent is the other two components. One is the question of the quality, but in order to get to this industrialization of the medicine, you need to be sure also you are able to produce them at the quantity that is needed for the patient, but also at the cost which is affordable by the payer, but at the same time provide a return on investment for the therapy developer who has taken the risk of the development of this drug. So there is an equilibrium and this industrialization in some extent happens only if you have these three elements of quantity, quantity and cost all at the same time. So that's the challenge today in the sense that the safety is number one and we are focusing on that. But at the same time, you can actually keep your drug safe, but optimize that in a way that you can have either a better efficacy, as we said, or a better manufacturability of the drug. And that's basically drive the two other elements that we discussed in terms of the cost and the quantity and manufacturability that you can control. So that's the short answer to your question. No, I love that because it's so complex and it is the amount of things that you're taking into consideration all while trying to get something to market. It's an enormous amount of factors. And I think it brings me confidence knowing that people are thinking this through so much and have all these processes in place. It should really build confidence that these therapies are going to be effective, safe, and hopefully one day very cost effective for us moving forward. No, absolutely. So question of the safety is always comes after the sense that once you have your candidates, all of them go through the safety elements. It's just to be sure that you have the right candidates actually, and then go to the safety and then the clinical trial. So just to have a higher probability of the success during your trial, but also once you know you're successful and you know your drug is safe and is efficient, to be sure, actually, you are able to manufacture that and you don't have any extra surprises after basically this process. Right. And that's the importance of doing all this upfront work, right? I think so many times people just see the outcome of the clinical trial and they don't appreciate the hundreds of candidates that were yes. in process to, to get to that one. So I think this podcast is really about shedding a light on research and development of the tools and technologies. And so I think that this just sheds a huge light on the complexity and the care that goes into producing a final product. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's move on to your second challenge. <laughs> 
Yes, the second challenge the other industry issue, as you may know, is the therapy development has two basic parts, discovery and manufacturing. So today, this effort are largely siloed and sequential. So what happened in that case is the bottlenecks and challenges in manufacturing steps are worked out long after the central component of the treatment are locked down from a biologic point of view, as we said, the true trials and results. So when a drug reaches the manufacturing stage, it's too late to engage with the biologic component of the drug. In that case, we are limiting our toolkits to traditional process manufacturing and operational optimization, which enable at best only incremental improvement. So at Ginkgo, we dramatically change how we approach development of these groundbreaking treatments by integrating biological optimization with manufacturing optimization of the therapy. So we apply the same concept of the high throughput optimization on the manufacturing side to assure that the optimal heat is manufacturable and we can find easily the optimal manufacturing condition from a very early on in the same way. So in summary, the Ginkgo platform integrates drug discovery and manufacturability and delivers to its partners both advanced, optimized product from a biological point of view to deliver optimal functions and optimal manufacturability along with optimal manufacturing conditions. And this package is kind of the peace of mind for any therapy or by region to developer to go to next steps. So that's basically the second problem that we try to solve with our platform. So that's a shift in the traditional way of developing drugs, right? Like it's always been very sequential, finish one step, move on to the next step. So you're kind of doing things in tandem in order to yes. assure that when you get to the clinical stage or to the patient stage that you're going to have a product that can be easily manufactured for all of the reasons that you just mentioned in the previous question. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is really the opportunity. Coming back to Peter Mark's comments, I believe if a cost is 800 pounds a gorilla in the room, then this opportunity of advanced biological optimization and integrating basically Biological optimization with manufacturing optimization is 8,000 pounds of elephant hidden inside of the bioreactor. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. No, I think it's very important work. So I think, and it's very innovative. I think if all medicines could be developed this way, would it's almost breaking the system. I hate to say that, but in a good way so that we can make things more affordable and really make innovative, life-saving medicines faster, cheaper, and get them to the people who need them faster. Yes, absolutely. You're absolutely right. And again, we have these two components that we can be with in uh, the biology itself and the optimization of the manufacturing condition. But uh, this is powerful. Maybe I can give you one example of this platform. So we have worked with the Aderwat on the vaccine capping enzyme during the COVID. And we have used actually both of these platforms, so on the cell engineering as well as on the manufacturing optimization. And we have been able to increase the output 
of the plant, basically of the bioreactors by a factor of 10. So 10 times more uh, getting basically out of the same system. We have done the same thing with the Moderna. We have increased the output by a factor of four. So this is very important because when we talk about the 10 times more, it means that also from the cost perspective, from the manufacturing perspective, now you have 10 times less of capex if you want to build a new plant. Or out of the same facility, you can get 10 times more of the same drugs. So that is improved because of your goods sold. This is kind of the impossible target to achieve through conventional manufacturing improvement by the operational improvements or by the design of the bioreactors. So these are the leapfrog improvement that we can bring by just touching basically the biology of the products. Yeah, and that is a case for investing early in these technologies and investing in the upfront cost of doing this research and doing the work that you guys are doing instead of downstream spending your money on figuring out manufacturing after you have the best candidate ever and gets too far down the line. So I think, again, I think it's transforming the way that drugs are made. And I think that's really incredible. So just a quick question on that example, though, would this be the case that somebody comes to you with a product candidate already and they ask you to work on this candidate or is ginkgo actually generating new candidate drug candidates for itself no actually so this is very clear so what we have developed here is a really platform available to pharma industry to any company at any size is welcome to this platform and use this platform for its own benefit and development. So we are not drug development companies. We are not CDMO either. So really, we are CROs with very high uh, technology platform, and we are serving basically our customers you know, to bring a better and cheaper basically product to the market. So in your example, when you come to our platform, it can be both actually. So some people come and they have already an existing product and that they want just to be sure that the manufacturing conditions are more optimized or sometimes just to be able actually to do some bearing over the current product they have to create a better version of that. So these are the possibilities and sometimes People coming, they really have no idea. The best example of that is an enzyme. If you think about the enzyme and the biocatalyst side of that, there are some chemical reaction happen, and ideally you want to replace that with a with an enzyme enzymatic reaction. And this is sometimes you need to find a new enzymes. And this is actually one of our strengths is because we have access to metagenomics, uh, massive metagenomics libraries. And we can actually look in the nature to find sometimes a better version or a proper, basically, product that doing work. And then that would be the starting point. And then we can engineer that further, really, to optimize the biological component and later on the manufacturing. So it doesn't matter where you are, either you're at very early stage or you're in the middle. As soon as you want to optimize, basically, your platform in one way or another, Ginkgo platform can be useful actually for these companies. Awesome. So it sounds like it's a very flexible platform that you guys are building and allows you to serve all different types of partners across your business and across the pharmaceutical industry as a whole. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And with very flexible business model as well. Awesome. So would you just mind telling us a little bit about the critical activities that are needed to keep the platform up to date and stay even maybe ahead of the curve? No, absolutely. So one of the critical areas basically here, as we discussed, the new modalities evolving very fast. So it's all about the prediction or maybe the better word with the anticipation of what is coming as an industry problem and how we are going to solve it. So to develop the platform in order to address these challenges. And of course, that we are listening and we are interacting every day with the, all these partners. We have more than 100 actually partners on our platform. So all of that is also source of the information and indication about the problems in the market and we try to adapt basically our platform to get there. Maybe I can give you a concrete example. Think about the mRNA right now is uh, working on the vaccine side and we know that the next wave will be around the therapeutic application of the mRNA. But we know that the challenges are very different in the sense of delivering a very low amount of dosage between 3 to 100 micrograms per dose we need to deliver maybe 10, 100, and sometimes a thousand times more dose in a very targeted manner. And therefore, all the issues in terms of the double-stressed RNA, lipid nature, rigidity becomes a more important factor that needs to be solved. So that's what we try to kind of see how we can prevent that. So that's where we are starting to work, even in some cases, at the, basically at the R&D level, in our case, to creating the polymerase enzyme that can reduce double-strengthened RNA. So that's a way basically to address the issue. Working on the circular RNA to better and having a longer expression, creating high-throughput platform or tissue-specific tickets and how basically we select them. So this is really the main activities and critical activities that we did the team, but it's not just that my tips is really across the organization because that's a touches basically every thing, piece of the equipment, piece of the knowledge from the market. So there is a lot of basically interaction to get to the right. Yeah. And for those who might not be familiar, what is the, like the makeup of your team? Who are the folks who are doing all this work? What are they engineers? Are they scientists? Who are the people on your team? Yes. So it's a highly scientific, actually, driving company, because if you look actually right now, we are around the 1,200, basically, employees. Just around the 250 of these employees are just software engineers, because as we discussed, that we have the highly automated robotic labs, and the goal is really to simplify the cell engineering and this is involve a lot of robotics, a lot of liquid handling, a lot of analytical analysis, all the omics. So all of that needs to be integrated through the same, so that's one element of that. But as I said, it's not just the robotic in the sense that we replace basically what the human does with just a robot, is really there is a lot of underlying technologies as well. So we have the technologies that they can able to nanocapsulate the single cell level and they do millions of analyses per day, really to understand what happened at the single cell levels. So there is a lot of technology involved into this platform. So we have also the commercial team who needs to understand perfectly the market trends 
and the customer needs uh, so we can uh, basically match the customer need with this uh, all this uh, platform and uh, it's a different uh, component of that right and maybe underlying all of that are people who keep the lights on the operations team who connect who maintain all that equipment who are in the lab making sure that those folks have the supplies they need to do the experiments to build the technologies so It sounds like all three of those, as a synthetic biology company, all three of those pieces in harmony together are really what's enabling you to serve your customers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So one other thing I wanted to ask you about before we, we finish up. You have such a wealth of knowledge and you've had some great experiences and you're running a very large organization right now. So for those listeners out there, what is one piece of advice in your career that you would share to maybe help them or that somebody might resonate with out there in the great wide world? Yeah, that's a very good good question. I would say follow what you are passionate about. That's a really number one advice. And number two, remain flexible. This pharma world is changing extremely fast the pace. And we need to remain also having a flexible mind and being able to adapt to this changing. And as much as we could predicting what is coming, I think that would be the key to be successful. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think those are wise words. I'm sure people can take a lot from that. Awesome. So the last thing we just have is you're doing some incredible things at Ginkgo. So if somebody wanted to find out more about what you're working on specifically or bigger projects at the company, how might somebody find out more about you or connect with you or even about the company? Yes, the best way would be, I think, maybe through LinkedIn that we then we stay connected. (laughs) So that would be one way. We have also the website and you're going to update that also very soon. So it's going to be much nicer to navigate. So also you can use my email address. So be medabi in cobioworks.com. Awesome. And we will link all of those in the show notes for everybody. So if you want to reach out, feel free to just click the link in the show notes. And really, I think that everybody should connect with you because I think it's fascinating and you guys are doing amazing things. So thank you for all your work and thank you for coming on the show today. Yeah, my pleasure, Al. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the LabOps Leadership Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's guest. For show notes, resources, and more information about LabOps Unite, please visit us at labops.community podcast. This show is powered by Elemental Machines.